The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno, taking a deep dive into all things wellness after over 25 years of practicing medicine. I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly RX, my top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I'm really excited about what we're gonna talk about today. Now, you may or may not be familiar with the term biohacking, but we're gonna talk about that. And let me tell you, it is a really hot topic right now in the health and wellness community. There are a lot of ways to define it because it's a really broadly used term, but to make it simple, we always like to make things simple, biohacking is basically the practice of changing our chemistry or physiology through science and self-experimentation to energize and enhance the body, right? That sounds good. There's all kinds of things from diet changes, cryotherapy, red light therapy, countless other things. The thing with biohacking is that a lot of these methods, a lot of these things are super expensive and they're hard to do, right? Like hard to implement. So that's why we wanted to do this series. And I want to talk to all kinds of experts in the fields and see what creative ideas and discoveries that they have up their sleeves that are budget-friendly and doable. I love the word doable for all of us. In this series, we'll be talking about diet, sleep, energy, healing, so much stuff around this topic of, of biohacking. And what I want for you to take away are some simple things that you can do to maximize your health and wellness in ways that you may have never imagined. I mean, you're going to love this stuff. All right. So with that being said, she is a renowned celebrity nutrition, nutritionist. I have a difficult time with that word. Healthy cooking expert and wellness thought leader. She's the founder and CEO of Nutritious Life, a lifestyle and media company devoted to helping individuals discover and live their most nutritious and happiest lives. She's also the founder and lead instructor of the Nutritious Life Studio, her online nutrition coaching and business program that provides unparalleled forward-thinking education to passionate health and wellness students around the globe. She's also the author of four best-selling books, including The O2 Diet and Slim Calm Sexy Diet. Well, I think we all know that one. I certainly do. Uh, she is a prolific contributor and commentator for countless media outlets. And guess what? She's here today to share her expertise. Please welcome, and I, I'm just going to say welcome, Carrie Glassman. Honor. Hi. I'm so happy to be here chatting with you today. This is awesome because I, I'm so jealous of your knowledge base and all of the things we're going to talk about. We're, we're going to talk about the whole idea of food and dietitian and, and biohacking and all of this stuff. So this is great stuff. I mean, 
you know, it, we always talk about this a lot in medicine. When I was in med school ages ago, 25 years ago, we didn't even talk about nutrition. It was such a kind of like, you know, fly by night topic, right? So it's great that you're into this. And obviously we're going to learn a lot today. You know, it's funny that you said that about med school, because I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about that. And they, they went to med school about 15 years ago. And she was just saying how she had, she actually ended up saying, I don't even want to admit how little nutrition we had. <laughs> right. And then we were actually talking about the microbiome, by the way, and right. you know, a specific topic. And I said to her, I went to school to get my master's in clinical nutrition almost 20 years ago. And we, even in nutrition, even in dietetics, I'm embarrassed to say how little we learned about that because it was barely even being studied at the time. So- you know, that's, well, we've the, come that's a long the cool way. thing. Yeah, that's the cool thing about nutrition, though, is it's a new science and we're learning so much every day, which is a really one of the reasons I love it. Yeah, no. And you said that we were, we are learning so much every day. And it's odd because like nutrition has been part of our existence as life. Right. It's like you thought we would have like picked up on this a little bit earlier. But hey, you know, exactly. at least we're getting yeah, there. Right. So. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of biohacking. And let's kind of just bring it right in, in terms of nutrition um, and diet. Like, what are your thoughts just broadly in general, when we talk about diet, nutrition, and this whole idea of biohacking? Yeah. So you mentioned some of this, but I'm just going to maybe repeat some of the things you already um, talked about as it, as it, as it pertains to biohacking. So biohacking really is this extremely broad and definitely not perfectly defined term that covers, you know, a wide range of activities, I mean, and products. I mean, you mentioned cryotherapy and infrared sauna and, you know, it, but it also, you know, covers things like supplements and food. You know, you can really think of it simply, although it's not really simple, you know, as making changes to improve your health and performance and controlling and maximizing what your body can achieve and do. So, you know, everything, again, from taking supplements to fasting, to infrared saunas, to fecal transplants and chip implantations can be forms of biohacking. So, you know, what I always like to think about it in terms of nutrition is when you use good nutrition, when you use nutrition to your advantage, when you put the best things in your body, it's a form of biohacking, right? One right. area, I mean, one area of biohacking is focused on how different nutrients affect how you feel and think. And we know that eating a certain way will reduce your risk for disease and especially reduce your risk for diseases that you're genetically predisposed to, such as maybe Alzheimer's or type 2 diabetes. And so really just tweaking your diet, and I know we're focused on nutrition today, and of course I'm a registered dietitian, so we're really <laughs> focused on nutrition. You know, we could get into sleep and all those other aspects, but specific to nutrition, what you eat is really a form of biohacking. And as far as it, it goes to budget, because I know we're talking about biohacking on a budget, the awesome thing about that is that it doesn't necessarily involve things like big, you know, products and going to cryotherapy and, you know, doing all of these things like I mentioned fecal transplants or all these different things. It doesn't necessarily involve all of that it can be budget friendly because it can really just be some of these simple things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis that can have a massive impact. Right. You know, it, it's interesting because we were always sort of trained to think, look, uh, these are my genes. This is what I was born with and I'm stuck with it. And I, I think what, as we talk about nutrition, we're going to get into this clearly 
when you look at, you know, perhaps plant-based diets or other forms of nutrition, you can really change or reduce your genetic sort of, you know, issues that people have. I know a very dear friend of mine who had severe cardiovascular disease. He knew it. He was aware of it. He went plant-based. And when you look at the objectified studies that look at what he's done, in a sense, he's kind of really, really reduced that genetic predisposition. So, why wouldn't exactly. we do that's that? That's such right? a good point. Right. That's such a good point. And that's like all about, you know, nutrigenomics, right? Is that we are, we are all predisposed to certain things, but our diet and our lifestyle, right, is going to play a huge role in what, what ends up happening, right? How, how we right. end up, you know, what we end up getting, <laughs> do we end up with this condition? Do we end up with this disease or do we end up living a life that is full, you know, where we're, we're full of energy and we're thinking clearly and we're happy, right? It, what we eat affects our mood. So all I of think things are so I, important. Absolutely. You know, I, I always kind of try to do analogies with things with people, with my patients I have for decades. And, and I always, by the way, analogies right? the, when it comes to nutrition are my favorite. So it's I love that. Best. Sorry. I just had to chime in there and say, no, that I'm I happy. That. I it's, love a it's, good it's, medical science right, nutrition right. analogy. <laughs> yeah, you got to break it down and make it make it understandable, you know? It's like anything else. But I tell people, listen, you can sit down at the poker table of life and you get dealt a hand of cards. There's nothing that says if you don't if you play that hand of cards properly and wisely and correctly and in a scientific way, you can bluff your way to the pot and walk away a winner. And that's what I try to get people to do. So there's my analogy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. So let me talk about a very hot topic. And I'm really interested in this because I go back and forth on this. But the idea of intermittent fasting and, you know, I I laugh because over the years, there have been so many different things, right? Fad diets and this and that and all these things, you know, I go into the, you know, the break room in my office and I see my nurse like eating like three avocados and a, you know, a pile of oranges. They're like, this is new diet I'm on. I just need to eat this for two months. I'm like, good luck with that. You know, what do you think about, so intermittent fasting has been a big, heavy topic and what are your thoughts on it? Pros, cons, all that good stuff. Okay, absolutely. So intermittent fasting is really a broad term that covers um, following a pattern of eating that involves a set amount of time where you don't eat or eat an incredibly restricted number of calories followed by one in which you do. So the most popular version involves, and this is the one, again, it's the most popular. Most people have tried this one or think about, this is what they think of when they think of intermittent fasting is fitting all of your daily food consumption into about an eight hour window followed by those 16 fasted hours. So for example, if you eat between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. every day and fast between 6 p.m. and 10 a.m., including the hours of your sleep. Right. So 
There's also the 5-2 diet in which you split your week into five days of eating whenever you want and two days where you seriously restrict your calories, about 500 for women, maybe 600 for men. Um, wow, that's I mean, low. Um, yeah. And but again, on the other five days, you're eating more. So so while fasting, you know, it may seem extreme and irregular, you know, there are many proponents of it argue that humans actually ate this way for most of history, you know, since right. hunter gatherers ate as, you know, food was available and not at set mealtimes. So, you know, and it's also, we know that fasting also, it's an age old part of many different, you know, religious traditions. So, you know, as far as uh, the potential benefits go, okay, there's always like pros and cons. So the potential benefits, many people try it for weight loss and research does back up its effectiveness. Um, the most basic reason though it can work um, is because generally you're going to just end up eating less calories, right? You're right, eating less right. calories when you're restricting the time that you can eat. So that's one of the reasons that it does work. Um, and then there's also, you know, some research that fasting also reprograms your metabolism. When your body isn't getting energy from food, it turns to other fuel sources like stored fat. Um, right. And by breaking down more fat and shrinking the size of fat cells, you end up with fat loss and as a result, weight loss. So yes, it can work. So one thing I will say though, um, as far as that, you know, that, that goes like those eight hours of eating and then the 16 hour fast, what I generally say is if you want to try it and I'll tell you why, you know, the people though, that I don't think it's good for, and I'm generally not an advocate of it for most people, but that doesn't mean I'm not an advocate of it for everyone. For some people, in some cases, I think it can be good. But for many people, I do think that the 12-hour fast is a really good thing. So, okay. So, so if six you to six, for example. Exactly. If you don't want to be extreme and do those 16 hours, a 12-hour fast can be something that's really manageable for people. And, it can, and you can actually reap many of the benefits, even just the benefit of reducing the amount of calories you're consuming. But one of the other um, sides of it is, you know, in terms of the bigger health picture and not just the weight loss and reducing calories, studies have linked to intermittent fasting to reducing markers of inflammation. And that's right. definitely something we're going to get to on more, of these, huge, more, huge more thing. of these topics when it comes to when it comes to biohacking. But, you know, they also show that fasting can affect hormones and increase production of beneficial ones like um, HGH, human growth hormone for muscle gain and fat loss and BDNF for cognition and decreasing insulin levels. So there are some hormonal benefits. Um, research also even suggests intermittent fasting's cardiovascular and brain health benefits and may possibly also extend lifespan. So definite benefits there, right? Huge benefits. And it's funny because I used to like, without knowing, I have been intermittent fasting for much of my life because I'm not a breakfast guy. You know, there's just people that as soon as they open their eyes in the morning, they're like, I'm starving. Like that's totally not me. And so I, by nature and by my body, and you made this point and it's very valid. We're all different. We all respond differently. We all have our own little sort of body and our metabolism and all of our world and you know all this stuff. But I, when I wake up, I'm not hungry and I'm not hungry for several hours. So I kind of do this because my first meal is maybe not until noon. And then my last is around eight. So I kind of do that 12 to eight is when I eat and I don't go crazy and, and, you know, eat everything in sight. I eat like normal, but then from 8 PM until the next day at noon, I just, you know, water and maybe a cup of coffee, but that's it. 
Yeah. So, but you're bringing up a really good point for you. You're someone again, that this could really be a great lifestyle for you because it goes along with how you sort of are naturally programmed. Exactly. Right. I don't feel like it's an effort. I'm like, this is just what I do. Exactly. And then, but there is a flip side to that. And there are many people that I don't recommend it for. So um, for many people, it can set them up for yo-yo dieting. For many people, it can actually just increase unhealthy foods that they're eating. So I'll give you an example. Um, Let's say you have someone that is getting up in the morning and maybe eats oatmeal and then has lunch of, let's say, a salad with grilled salmon and then maybe snacks a little too much in the afternoon and has an okay-ish dinner. And that person wants to lose five, 10 pounds. And then they go to um, going to intermittent fasting and all of a sudden they skip breakfast and they get to lunch and they're starving. Right, and so they go nuts. Instead of having that salad and salmon, they're having like that leftover pizza or right. quickly, you know, they're going to drive through and that does happen. So for many people, if like you really are that breakfast person, this could really set you up to actually really make your habits a lot worse. And totally um, get it. I can totally go the opposite direction. Many people that have a history of eating disorders or just disordered eating. Again, I think I mentioned like yo-yo dieters um, and then also people that are pregnant or wanting to get pregnant and also people that are diabetic or pre-diabetic or have any kind of blood sugar issues. You know, absolutely. I do not think should do this. So again, it really, and it all, and also you have to look at someone's lifestyle. You want them to do something that they can do for the long haul. And if this really then puts you in a position where you're never going out to dinner, well, then you're not going to stick with that. So it's really like, again, figuring out your lifestyle, but that's why I think the 12 hour type of a fast allows you to reap some of these benefits, but it not be so extreme. So I got it. This is going to be my favorite question to ask because I come up, this is what I tell my patients about the ideal diet. And I'm, I'm thinking about this because you just brought this up and what you said, and I call it the lads diet L a D S and it stands for likable. You got to like what you're eating. It's got to be affordable is the a it's got to be doable. Meaning it's something that fits into your daily activity or how your body is set up. And the S is got to be sustainable. And I think those four components is what you can do for a lifetime of healthy enjoyable. I mean, listen, food, when you look at culture and fun and the whole atmosphere and family and socialization, food is a very common thing, but there's nothing that says that you have to do it in an unhealthy way. So I, now you talked about something. I want to go back to this because you, you skipped through it and I was like, aha, uh-huh, which is the idea of sugar, the, the, the word sugar and, and, I gosh, I almost want to say the drug sugar because it it can be yeah. looked at as a drug. So, you know, inflammation. We're always battling in inflammation, right? Our joints, our brain, our heart, our lungs. Everything we do is a fight against inflammation. So let's talk a little bit about sugar and what what are some few pearls that we can share with with the listeners about sugar and inflammation and how it works in our body. Yeah. And I also want to pull it back to just also the budget part of all of this. So just going back to intermittent fasting for one second, I just want to also mention, I mean, think about also if you tweak your diet like that, you're not spending any money there. You're not going and buying a product. You're not going and, you know, having to make an appointment for something. I mean, you are, you're just tweaking the hours you eat. So for some people, again, if you, if you're the right person, it can be a good way to 
you know, do something in your diet that can have benefits that again, doesn't cost anything. And the reason I wanted to, I just thought of that as you're asking me about sugar is because now when, when you're asking about sugar, I'm thinking the best part about sugar when it comes to biohacking on a budget is that we want to take it out. So we want to spend less right. money on it. <laughs> exactly. So you are automatically reducing, you know, your, your uh, grocery bill every month, right? Because you're it's a huge thing taking it out. We spend way too much money on um, sugar. So anyway, this one's definitely going to save you money. No more candy by the pound or bags of Swedish fish when you check <laughs> right. out at, you know, your, at your pharmacy. So going back to the inflammation though, get, or getting to the inflammation, I should say, when it comes to sugar. <laughs> So sugar is a leading cause of inflammation. And we know, I know you know, um, and many people out there know that inflammation is the root cause of almost every condition and disease. Human studies, we know, confirm the link between added sugar and higher inflammatory markers. And the typical American adult consumes about 60 pounds of added sugar each year. And that is not 60, six, zero. So imagine like, those five pound bags of sugar, you're talking like 14 of those a Crazy, year. Right? That's, so that's nuts. It's a lot. And, and remember, we're not reaping any benefits from sugar. We, we don't need, and, and I'm talking about added sugar here. Of course, sugar in fruit is different because we're right, we are getting some benefits. Right. We are getting antioxidants and phytochemicals and fiber and even water in fruit. But when I'm talking about added sugar, it's all empty calories. So it's doing damaged for us and it's doing no good for us. There's nothing, there's nothing nutrient dense about it, not one thing. So, um, you know, it's not doing anything good for our hearts. It's not doing anything good for our waistlines. It's not doing anything good for our brain health. So excess sugar consumption, um, as I mentioned, associated heart disease, obesity, dementia, um, many more, you know, conditions and diseases and um, I mean, you I, you mentioned, you know, also that, uh, you know, about it being addictive, right? Right. And, it's like a drug. I mean, it really is. And I mean, and there's like, there's been, you know, a lot of buzz about that too lately about it being toxic. And, you know, although there's no like definitive evidence that, you know, that we can say that it is for sure addictive, researchers do agree that high sugar foods stimulate the brain in the same way that drugs do, inducing right behaviors that resemble addiction. And those sugar highs and lows you experience, you know, are likely a result of that sugar dependency. So not only is sugar causing inflammation, is that inflammation causing all of these different diseases and conditions, but also we then want more of it when we have it. And so it really is, I mean, it's disruptive. And, you know, you've talked about sleep a little bit already. It's disruptive even to our sleep, which then we know can, can affect our mood the next day and can affect our hunger hormones the next day. So, I mean, I, listen, I always like to say that I don't have a sweet tooth. I have a whole mouth of sweet teeth. I mean, I was, I'm a dietitian, <laughs> like but I was born a sweet tooth junkie. I love my sweet, right? I really yeah, do. I'm and with so, you. So what I was ta- I really teach people and I educate people to learn to have conscious indulgences. So there isn't that, you know, deprivation than overindulging. Now, right. but for the most part, I like to remind people that conscious indulgences are just that. They're indulgences at set times that you're just being more conscious about versus mindlessly, you know, going through a sleeve of cookies, right? You're making a conscious decision to have a set amount. So you're eating from a more empowered place. But that doesn't mean, you know, the World Health Organization, like the recommendation for the amount of teaspoons of added sugar we can have a day. I always say like, it's not, 
it shouldn't be. It's not a recommendation. We don't need any of it. It's right. Really I was like, going to say, they're like, but you don't need any, but if exactly. you're going to, here's what he said. I but always thought can that understand was funny. That. Yeah. People can really misunderstand that and think, oh, I can have, you know, up to six teaspoons of sugar a day. Well, exactly. You don't need any added sugar. And that's not even being on a quote diet. No one needs any added sugar on a super normal, healthy, great, fulfilling, delicious diet. You can still have no added sugar because so we get so much added sugar in places. We just don't eat it at all. Exactly. Even savory items. You could look at a box of crackers. There's often sugar in the late in the ingredients list. So taking out all of those packaged processed foods that have added sugar that we really don't need is a huge way that you can really biohack your health and, you know, save money. Yeah. You know, you mentioned this and it's, I, I, I say uh, the two words of the decade are mindfulness and vigilance, right? <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, we need to be mindful of what we do. It, it's one of the things, and you know, this goes back in the first book I wrote 11 years ago. One of the things I talked about was not to watch television when you eat yeah, because absolutely. you you and my mother was just a big like, oh, she used to torture me because I always wanted to be, you know, I'm a sports guy, even when I was a little kid. And she'd be like, no, it's time for dinner or it's time for whatever. But it's true as I've got, you know, back then I was just like my mom's like super strict. But now I get it. If you're not paying attention and you're not being mindful of what you're doing, you could go through, as you said, like a sleeve of cookies and not even have enjoyed the taste of one single cookie and haven't eaten the whole sleeve because you need to be present. You need to be in the moment and and enjoy what you're doing. And I think we do too much. We're multitasking and we're like doing all this stuff and reaching for this, reaching for that. And we're texting and on the phone. And this, and before you know it, you're like, oh my God, I just consumed like 2,500 calories in like 20 minutes. And I don't even know what I ate or if I enjoyed it. And the other thing that happens when you do that, and you are just sort of, you know, again, eating in front of the TV or, or, you know, whatever on your phone, you know, doing, doing whatever, right. you're not focusing on chewing your food either. Right. It's so important for digestion, which then is, you know, important for our gut health and our absorption of our nutrients. And I'm thinking of that too, because we know that too much sugar also increases gut permeability, meaning like bacteria and toxins and undigested food particles that can move, you know, easily in and out of, in, into the bloodstream. And that can lead to inflammation. So even things like that, as you're talking about eating mindlessly, like we have to think about it, even in terms of chewing our food and giving our bodies time to feel full and satisfied. We know that takes about that 20 minutes. So eating slowly, being mindful as you're eating, chewing your food can have all kinds of benefits on your gut health, right. on your satiety, on your, on the inflammation even, right? Well, speaking of satiety, let's switch to something that we could talk about for days, which is the idea of vegetables. Now, you know, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of talk now about plant-based, 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 plant-based. I get it. And of course, there's tons of studies that support the anti-inflammatory effects of a plant-based diet, the anti-cancerous effects. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's no doubt about it. But quite honestly, to take somebody in the middle of the country who has never even had a vegetable in their entire life and say, okay, you can only eat plants. The odds of succeeding in that are slim to none. But let's talk about this, this world of, of vegetables and, and how vegetables, you know, in, in different forms, like how important they are to everything we do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing I, I want to say, first of all, is that I would consider myself plant-based and I had a beautiful grass-fed, grass-finished steak last night for dinner. Ah, so I love you. That's, <laughs> that's what I always like people to understand that everyone really should be plant-based. And yes, I agree with you. We all should get along because you doesn't have to be, you don't necessarily have to go vegan to be a super healthy person and be plant-based. You can love your red meat and have your fish and have your poultry. So I, but again, it's more getting more vegetables into your day. There you go. More plants, more plants into your day, reducing the amount of meat and increasing the quality of the meat, which also, by the way, decreases your grocery store budget and grocery there you store go. bill. So anyway, in terms of veggies, though, and getting people to eat them. So I really do like people to get greens at least twice a day. I like people to have vegetables at every meal if possible. Now, I know you're going to say that's very difficult, though, for many people that aren't eating any. So I like people to think about it. First of all, it doesn't have to be uber expensive. You can, um, when you shop, by the way, locally, and you go to farmer's markets, that can save money. I know not everyone has access to a farmer's market, but that is a way if you do. You can also buy, you know, frozen vegetables. Organic frozen vegetables are going to be, you know, less expensive than maybe the fresh, right? But they are are equally as nutritious. Sometimes they even have more nutrients. They are flash frozen at peak ripeness and retain that nutritional value. So one, they're helpful for convenience. Two, they can be less expensive. And three, there are so many ways that you can then, they're versatile, throw some frozen broccoli or frozen spinach into a smoothie, throw that frozen broccoli into uh, egg scramble in the morning. So it's really a matter of, finding vegetables that you like, um, incorporating them into different meal in different, you know, different ways, getting creative with it, and then making it more affordable by, you know, again, having some frozen, maybe going to the um, local farmer's market and things like that. Yeah. You know, listen, uh, truth, right. Truth be told, I love those frozen vegetables. And you commented on this is really important because when they flash freeze them, it's at an ideal point that you're supposed to. And I think, you know, you hear a lot of this overcooking vegetables and, and how it can kind of, you know, affect the nutrients and the composition, your ability to absorb. So I think it's really, really important. And the other thing I tell people is, you know, walk through your local produce section. There are a lot of things there that you're like, huh, never thought of this. And a lot of things that like are colorful, right? They have those beautiful purples and oranges and reds. You know, uh, one of my close friends that I work with, he he has this thing, he calls it three for three, which is trying to get three colors in three of your meals, you know, three times a day. And I love it. You know, he's these colorful. I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's true, but I think a lot of us kind of don't realize that, Hey, you know, not only are these plants beautiful and look good, but you can eat them and they actually taste pretty good to your point, which find things you like, but you got to experiment, right? You got to try different things. 
Absolutely. And you know, you said, you know, you can walk down the produce aisle and find something you've never had before experiment. But and the best thing about about that is that it's so easy to look something up online, you know, or on YouTube about how to use this vegetable. I mean, you can find so many different ways you can learn if you've never cooked an artichoke, you know, you can Google how to like how to steam an artichoke people get in. That's just one vegetable I'm thinking people get intimidated by. But even the other night, I just made an endive, um, an endive walnut parmesan salad. It's just one of my favorite little quick three ingredient, simple little salad I love. And my mom, I, my, I was FaceTiming with my mom at the time. And she said, I've never bought an endive in my life. I don't know what to do with them. I'm like, mom, and, and you never bought an endive. I'm like, all you need to do is the easiest thing. It'll just slice them or peel them off. You don't even need to do anything anyway. But we were laughing about it that like, you know, a lot. And, and she's a pretty healthy eater. It's just you have to get creative and expose yourself to different types of vegetables and and push yourself to get them in. Because, you know, the, my the reason I love my veggies this much is most. Well, there's many different reasons. There's the there's the fiber and the water volume, right. but there's those antioxidants, all different types of antioxidants. And I'm a big I actually wrote a whole book on antioxidants. I, I so many years ago, 2010. Wow. I can't believe that. Anyway, <laughs> 2010, I wrote a book on antioxidants. So I'm a big fan of antioxidants, but because they do reduce the risk for cancer, heart disease, neuronal, right. neuronal degeneration. So when we're talking about optimizing our health and improving our health and optimizing you know, our energy and our mood and our skin, we can't talk about that without talking about antioxidants, which reduce risk of cancer, improve heart health, um, you know, improve brain health and mood. I mean, there's so much research we could get into here now, but I know we, I know we can't talk for three hours. So, you know, I'll, oh, we could trust me. Well, we definitely could, but (laughs) I get yelled at by a few people, but we could do it. Exactly. But there's just so much research there on antioxidants and all the different benefits. But one key there is also to get a variety of vegetables. So you get a variety of these nutrients, including nutrients that act as antioxidants. Right. And and I'll tell you, uh, one of the things I tell my patients, you, and you mentioned brain health and cardiovascular health, digestive health, right? I, this is another one of my goofy sayings that I say, right? You want a lot of vegetables are good because they fill you too. You, when you get yeah. full and the fiber and it helps digestion and it helps things move along in the proper direction. So, you know, get full of something that's going to be helpful for you, right? Like fiber and vegetables and really sky's the limit, right? It's, it's kind of visit on your plate. I always tell people visit the healthy things three or four times before you visit the not so healthy thing. Maybe it's a mashed potato, maybe it's a piece of meat or maybe whatever it is, but Hey, fill up on the, on the good stuff and then go visit that. You don't want to deprive deprivation leads to failure on so many levels. So, you know, just visit the good stuff, uh, uh, you know, a little more often. That's something very similar that I I tell people to do too. It's like when you are having, let's say a plate of steak and hopefully it's grass-fed steak, let's just go with that example. And maybe you have some roasted potatoes and then you have some veggies and maybe a side salad. I always say, not only make the vegetables the bigger portion of the plate, of course, we've all heard that a million times, but if you have food on the table and you know, you're eating with your family, leave the meat and potatoes in the kitchen and just bring the extra veggies and the extra salad, and maybe you've got raw veggies cut up too to the table. So you naturally fill up more on that. Because if you're a little bit hungry at the end of that meal, if those potatoes are sitting right there, you might go for more potatoes, which by the way, (laughs) are vegetables too, and are are good for you. I'm not anti-potatoes, I love potatoes. But let's say even the steak, if the steak is sitting there, you might go for more of that. But really, 
you know, you might be satisfied on a few more bites of that broccoli. And I know totally laughing at me for saying that, but it's true. Fill up more on those veggies, but you have to put those on the on the table and leave the others in the, uh, you know, in the kitchen. And then just one more thing about veggies I do want to say, too, is, you know, you mentioned the fiber, which fills you, but also that fiber also feeds the good bacteria in your gut. There you go. Gut health, which I know I talked about microbiome for a second at the beginning of our convo, um, is so important for, as we know, brain health, immune health, even it's even linked to weight. So super important. Yeah, it's all about, you know, the whole world of probiotics and prebiotics, right? There's just it's such a dynamic in, in our body. And I mean, it starts with nutrition. And I know I'm listen, I'm preaching to the choir. You are the person that can tell us more about this. I, I love speaking with people like you in these professions because I learn so much. A lot of that I do, I'm like, this instinctively seems a good idea. But then when I talk to someone who really knows what they're talking about, like you, I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'm, I'm leading people down the right pathway. All right. I want to finish with a, a kind of a, I mean, I could talk to you forever, but I want you to talk to the listeners a little bit about pasture-raised eggs. Okay. Well, first of all, eggs I love because we're talking about budget, right? Eating on a budget and nutrition doesn't have to be expensive. Eggs are affordable and they are a good bioavailable source of protein. And they're, again, they're just affordable and a great source of protein and they're versatile. So um, they can be taken up a notch though by buying um, pasture raised. So going to a local farmer's market, you know, and, and buying some pasture raised eggs. And, you know, they're going to just basically, again, eggs in general are going to be healthy for you. You're going to be getting in protein. You're going to be getting in other nutrients and it's not going to be expensive and you can, you know, cook them in a minute. But um, pasture-raised eggs, in addition to being lower in calories and total fat, they are higher in certain levels of vitamins and have a healthier balance of omega-3s. Those are your essential fatty acids. That Important. Are linked to, yep, are linked to um, they're anti-inflammatory and they're linked to good brain health, including um, improved cognition and better mood. So better balance of omega-3s to those omega-6s and eggs from poultry raised on pasture have also have 10%. I, I mentioned the fat I, for a second though, but just a, a specific 10% on average less fat and 40% more vitamin A and 400% more omega-3s than your traditional eggs. So And you wouldn't expect to pay a ton more money for pasture raised versus not, right? Right. Well, and especially if you go to, I mean, the ideal scenario is that you buy your eggs straight from a local farmer whom, you know, you verified is organic or either certified or simply doesn't use pesticides and raises chickens outside, rotating them to graze on the pasture. You know, that's the ideal situation. But of course, and, and in that case, yes, they're not necessarily going to be any more money. Um, and then at the supermarket, you know, your best bet is eggs that are stamped with both the USDA organic and a seal related to animal welfare. So the other thing gotcha. I want to say about eggs, even if you spend a little bit more on eggs than perhaps the other types of eggs you were eating before, the benefits you're reaping are so great. And how you can save money there is one by, um, again, if you go to a local farmer's market, but if you don't, and you, and the ones at the supermarket are now a little more expensive. You can swap those in for some, perhaps some meat dishes that you were eating before, like, you know, red meat, and maybe you're reducing a little bit of red meat, you're adding a little bit more eggs. Or another way too is take out some of those packaged processed junk 
that's added, that's loaded with sugar. <laughs> if you take that off your there grocery you store bill, you won't be spending any more money. Right. I, I, again, it's, it's, you know, you, you got to think I, I was saying to someone this morning, just recently, I said, you know, when it comes to our health and nutrition, we have been given the key to the test, but we need to still choose the right answer. Someone gave us the answer. We all know what we are supposed to do and not supposed to do. Right. But we, for whatever reason, don't choose the right answer. You know, if someone, if you think about when you're in college, right, and you hit this final and then the professor gave you the key to the test, like people would think there was something wrong with you if you purposely chose the wrong answer and you have the key to the test. We all have the key. We all know the answers, but you have to choose the right answer. No one's going to choose that for you. But listen, they're all right in front of us and thankful for us. People like you exist who are passionate about educating, about getting the word out, and about continuing to support this entire sort of march towards just eating healthier and our nutrition. You're so welcome. This was so fun. I could talk to you for hours. So thanks for having me. Seriously, thank you so much. And and we, we're going to have to drag you back because I still have a list of questions. But where do people find you? How can we get your name out, not that it's not out there already with all your books and all this stuff, but where do we get people who want more information? Where can people find you? So you can go to nutritiouslife.com and then you can find me on Instagram at nutritiouslifeofficial. Beautiful. Carrie, thank you so much. I love these because I learned so much and then I just kind of, you know, pay it forward to my patients. So awesome. thank you well, so much. Your patients are lucky. And yeah, thank you for having me. Weekly RX. So great conversation. Always good stuff when we're talking about diet and nutrition. But a couple of things that I think are critical and things that you probably know. Sugar is not your friend. Sugar is an increasing cause of inflammation. And one of the things we talked about today is there's nothing that says you need to add sugar to your diet. So think about that. Sugar is just a potential source of added inflammation to the body, which we don't need. And, and lastly, and I think this really says it all with regards to what we talked about today, but let's keep it simple. More of the good and less of the bad. I think when it comes to our health and nutrition and choice of foods or choosing to exercise or not, we all know good from bad. We all know right from wrong. So let's focus on choosing more of the good stuff and less of the bad, because over time, over your lifetime, it's going to end up working in your favor. Don't forget to subscribe for free download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and follow me on social at The 17 Day Diet. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Keltz is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Wellness Inc. with Dr. Mike Moreno podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. Thank you.